it's from my study in the book of Ecclesiastes. So I'm preaching every Wednesday night in our church a few months ago, or maybe three or maybe five months ago, from this book every Sunday night, so verse by verse. And then uh, I want to share with you uh, some of these uh, gleanings from this book. So, so you can follow me. There are three truths I would like to share with you about the preacher. Number one, the person. Who is a preacher? What did Solomon say about being a preacher? And then the second word is the performance. So when I say performance, I'm referring to his task, his work, his job. Of course, Solomon is not in, is not in the New Testament. He is in the Old Testament. So I will only speak on those things that God revealed through Solomon. And the third word is power. Okay? So you can follow me easily. And then, uh, so my materials are here. So probably I can only cover the person of the preacher this morning or this noon. All right, let me go to the introduction. Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes in his old age, having gone through apostate days. He composed it from the perspective of a natural person without the use of God's standards in life and work. So that's Solomon when he wrote Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes is almost a contrast of the book of Proverbs. Usually we believers are familiar with the book of Proverbs, but the book of Proverbs is full of not only for devotional thing. And the writer of the book of Proverbs is a king, was a king. So he talked and spoke in that book about governance. Throughout my Christian life and studies, never heard of the word governance being discussed in the Bible school. You will always hear that word governance in the secular world. Anyway, so Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, virtually the contrast of the book of Proverbs. Because he wrote the book of Proverbs probably in rather Ecclesiastes probably during his old days after his apostasy. So I compare Proverbs like this and Ecclesiastes will be like this one. They are complementary. And I have received many uh, fine gold from the book of Ecclesiastes. So it became of great benefit on me. And I'm sharing to the church. But you may ask, what 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 was it that prodded you to study Ecclesiastes? For a while, before I came to the book, my wife was asking me, Papa, what do you think of Ecclesiastes? Would you consider teaching or preaching from it? So my wife did not write an exegesis of the book of Ecclesiastes. See? And then I began to look at it. I said, all right, when I finish some of my uh, research uh, schedules, I'll take a look at it. So I began to look at it on a more focused basis. So there's so things... Uh, what I am sharing to my uh, to our church every Wednesday night. So, therefore, Solomon he repetitiously recognized the vanity of life and work in that under that condition, and you will see that in chapter one, verse one and three, as well as in verse eight of our text. So, in every chapter, Solomon revealed his vain life pursuit and his culmination of that revelation that everything is vanity, everything is vanity of vanities. That is. If you live a life not under God's standards. Now, Solomon is not saying here only about spiritual things. Remember, he, he was not a he was not a pastor, he was not a missionary, he was a king. He was he was just like president, prime ministers today. So he's teaching here that when he was in his apostasy, he did not regard the role of God in his life. So the product is 
his conclusions about that kind of life are now here in the book of Ecclesiastes. And every believer who will do the same will have this kind of similar conclusion, a life that is wasted. So Solomon culminated his writings in chapter 12, verse 8 to 12. That is our text this afternoon. So in this section, he addressed the young man. Who is this young man? That is Rehoboam. Rehoboam was his only son. Solomon had many wives and hundreds of wives, hundreds of concubines. But one of God's chastisement to him was he had only one son. And he became his successor. Okay? So Solomon assumed power. As king, when he was 20 or 21, he died at the age of 60, 61. So he had only 40 years of governance. And Rehoboam, when he assumed office as king, he was not a young man. But look how uh, Solomon treated him yet as a young man. In fact, the book of Proverbs, if you study the book of Proverbs, the first nine chapters, he repetitiously addressed him, my son, my son, my son. At least once a chapter, there are other chapters in first nine chapters of Proverbs that he addressed my son. He used my son phrase twice. And only once that he used children, my children. So Solomon's intent of writing Rios, uh, Proverbs as well as Ecclesiastes was to equip his son Rehoboam in the succession to the throne. Unfortunately, it was Rehoboam who caused the division of the kingdom. Everything that Solomon raised and brought up Rehoboam destroyed it. So therefore, Rehoboam did not heed his father Solomon's Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Similarly, same thing would have, could happen to us. However, this afternoon I will only focus on the word preacher. Many of us here men are preachers. I am a preacher, a pastor. Uh, some are, I see, young faces or young men. It's good to see young preachers. I started preaching when I was uh, 21, 22. So I decided to go on full-time thing, left my job, and uh, followed the Lord's leading. I didn't know that I would be pastoring this church 31 years ago. My job was only to be an interim pastor. So that was very clear. But that one year interim pastor became now turning 31st, 31 by June this year. It's a long preaching, I mean long pastoring work. Okay? My, my term is lifelong, so I tell our people, hey, you be patient with me, my term is lifelong. You better realize that I'll be staying here long until I die or until I resign or I get disqualified. So if you want me out, you better ask the Lord for those three. But uh, I will remain as long as the Lord, I am still qualified. So you better start adjusting yourselves that this is the pastor God has given you, so he decided to stay lifelong. I didn't see in the Bible any retirement. See, there's no retirement. So I'm thoroughly convinced by the evidence of the scriptures. So now Solomon is teaching his son Rehoboam how to be a preacher. Now, are, is Solomon saying that Solomon, or rather Rehoboam, will also be a preacher just like us today? No. Now, look at chapter 1, verse, uh, the same word is used in verse 2, verse 8, no, not verse 8, but 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 12. You don't have to write it, it's in your notes, okay? 
It's in the notes. So seven times the word was used. One, 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 two, one, twelve, seven, twenty-seven, and then our text throughout the book. Now, I use the word here, kohalet. That's the Hebrew word for preacher. Now, some critics of the Bible criticize us, especially those who believe in women, female preacher, because they say the word kohelet is feminine. Feminine. So when you say feminine, therefore, female. Well, there are words, whether in the, ori- in the original Hebrew, in, Engl- in Greek, as well as in English, that the nature of the word, the gender is uh, masculine, so others are feminine. For instance, the church is feminine. Are we saying that the church is for female only? And then the, the one who will lead the church should only be female? No, not necessarily. Now the word Kohelet originally is also feminine. However, the thought that uh, therefore a preacher, a woman preacher, is, could be a preacher because of the word Kohelet. But when we get to chapter 1 verse 12, who is this so-called feminine preacher? Uh, uh, one twelve says, I was saying I. We see that in verse 1, the son of David, the king in Jerusalem. So he said in one twelve, I the preacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem. When you look at the kings of Israel, either from the north, uh, sorry, United Kingdom, there were only three kings, all David, Solomon. In the south kingdom, there were 19 kings. In the north, 19 kings also. None of them was a female. So you cannot be a king during this time if you are a woman. Don't get mad at God with God that uh, he did not allow. There was a woman who became queen in South Kingdom, Athaliah, but he was a usurper to the throne. That's why Prince Jehoiada overthrew her. And he has no right to rule because he, she did not come from the tribe of Judah. She was a daughter of Ahab. So the thought that Kohelet uh, could be can be claimed by female preacher will be negated and debunked by the same chapter when you get to chapter 1 verse 12. So I just want to make it clear because one day there are no Baptists who have uh, female preachers like the Convention Baptists. Some Evangelical Baptists like the Conservative Baptists are going to that direction too. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if one day the Fundamental Baptists would have also. That's why I parted ways from the Fundamentalists. So, the word was used seven times throughout the book, and Solomon was neither a prophet nor a priest, but as a king, and he was divinely anointed, according to 1 Kings 1, 34 and 39. And he must speak in public too, like the two Messiahs. Who were the two Messiahs? The priest and the prophet. So those were the only three persons anointed by God in the entire Old Testament. A prophet, a priest, and a king. And there are th- they have three different rounds of operation. They should not interfere with one another. You remember Uzziah, successful king, he ruled for 52 years, and then the last two or three years of his rule, he interfered in the administration of offering in the temple. What happened with him? He was driven out by the priest because he transgressed. He has no right to administer the offering. So he became a leper till he died. Because he violated God's mandate to him as king. He has no right to administer the offering. That's the job of the priest in the temple. Uh, <clears throat> prophets are mandated to receive God's word and deliver it to the designated people. 
whether the receiver likes it or not. So that's why faithful priests, regardless of potential consequences, they will deliver the message God has given them. Today, you and me men are preachers or in a in the certain degree like the prophets in the old. We must receive God's word, not through audibly, but from the written revelation. Now the problem is the prophets then were Hebrew speakers and God would reveal his word in the Hebrew language. So no problem. Today we're reading an English Bible. This is the preserved Bible in the King in the English version, the King James Bible. We're not Rachmanite. I'm not Rachmanite. I'm KJV only because the Hebrew text and the Greek text are the preserved text. You see? So Peter Rachman is wrong when he said that um, God has preserved the English. And I said, did God use the English language in the recording of the Old Testament and New Testament? No. God used the Hebrew language and the Greek language. So the problem sometimes is we lack facility and competence in the English language, so we have some problems in understanding. That's why we need, don't fear these biblical languages. We need to know the language. At least working knowledge. So we can be accurate. We're not saying that you cannot be a pastor if you don't know the language. But probably you will understand what I'm saying that Solomon was a preaching king. That's why he was called a Kohelet. So pursuant to this passage, let me throw to you these three questions. What does God expect from the person of a preacher? What are the contents of a preacher's job description according to Solomon's writing? Where does the preacher source his power that energizes his ministry? So let me try to answer these three questions. At least the first one for my first uh, session. Now the aim of this study is to educate us preachers in three areas that cover our lives and ministry, particularly our personality, our ministerial work, and our effectiveness in the ministry pursuant to God's divine revelation. Given in our text, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 9 to 12. So let's go now to the person of a Kohelet. The Kohelet as a person must possess three biblical descriptions. Number one, one who is wise. Are you wise? Are we wise? Number two, one who is excellent. And number three, one who heeds admonition. You see that in verse 9a, the first part of verse 9. I will use the word moreover. And second, the word wise. And then we jump to verse 12. Be admonished. These three words all refer to the person of the preacher. Okay? So I classify them under the word person. How should you be as a person, as being a preacher? Now the ladies here cannot be a preacher, cannot be preachers. So what's the relevance of this in my life? Preacher, I'm a woman. A wife of a preacher. Well, you cannot write exegesis for your husband. Neither can you write papers for your husband. So he can submit and graduate. <laughs> Very bad. Okay. Maybe she can type for you. Maybe she can edit your work. But then you use your authority. Honey, I want you to write a 10-page paper for me. See that? So I'm just, <laughs> anyway, maybe in the palace if you share your, uh, your uh, graduation uh, speech, 
he has prepared. Anyway, so, a preacher should be wise. So, the role of a woman, and I've experienced this with my wife, she is kind of, uh, what do you call this? She reminds you, and then she criticizes you. Okay? So, that's why one of these characteristics is uh, I hate to be criticized. And my greatest, uh, harsh critic is my wife. <laughs> and that's the evidence of her love for me. Because he do, she doesn't want me, you know, to make mistakes that would uh, lead to disqualification. That's why even my messenger account is, we have one messenger account, Jed and Eden, Rockington. So I hardly see that, and she does that. So she is a QA, she quality, quality control, ensuring that uh, things that will come to me uh, would be already sifted, okay? So, uh, the person of a preacher, Solomon teaches, you must be wise, we must be wise. So let me summarize it so that uh, you know it already. Second, he must be excellent. And number three, he must heed admonition. We preachers are still human beings. We are not infallible. Okay? We are not perfect. So we need to listen to admonition. And your greatest admonisher is your wife. That's why any, any, any man here who is unmarried, single, you, brother. <laughs> so I was speaking with Pastor Ronan. Are you considering remarrying? Yes, you should. You should. If you want to remain in the pastorate, you should, brother. Okay. Anyway, so uh, no single here, right? Okay. So to the single ones, I'm speaking to the believers at large. If you are considering becoming a preacher, you must get married. You must get married. If you want, if you desire to become a pastor, the Bible is clear. You must be married with two or more children. You can be a pastor if you only have one children. The Bible is very explicit. Children. In the Greek, that is two or more. Thank the Lord, it's two or more. Because in the Hebrew, uh, plural would be three or more. Okay, so it's wider in, uh, in the Hebrew and uh, smaller in, uh, in Greek. So anyway, when I was a fundamentalist, as soon as you graduate from the Bible school, you are now called as pastor. And there were times I even ordained men to become pastors and sent them out who were single. And when I realized my error, I informed the church that I was strong and I withdrew for my sin. I said, we have to face. I didn't know then. That was the traditional teaching of fundamentalism. So I corrected my error. And then uh, after I saw the evidence of scriptures. So we're not infallible. We can commit mistakes. We should not be ashamed to admit our mistakes. Even as I teach the language Greek. I was uh, reviewing my notes. And I remember there was one session that one student said, Teacher, I have a question. Now I realize my answer to that question was wrong. So the next time we have a class, we had no class this Friday because of the master's module, then I will uh, correct my mistake. Just one letter, just a little bit, you see? We are not infallible. No, there's no pastor that is infallible, okay? So that ever think that we are Pope-like. You know a Pope? A Pope is infallible 
That's their fantasy. Give them that freedom to be to fantasize. But that's not biblical. No pastor is biblical. No pastor is infallible. So let me discuss the first one. A kohelet is described as wise. The word comes from the Hebrew adjective shakam, which means skillful. Skillful. He is skillful in the technical aspect of his trade. Likewise, he is prudent in administration of things such as in ethics as well as in religion. That's the usage of the word. However, such virtue is not quickly acquired as it is a product of one's devoted engagement in repetitious tasks. So you cannot be skillful except you do the same thing over and over and over and over and again. Okay? Uh, doctors, lawyers are trained repetitiously because they want them to be skillful. Imagine if you are just first year in medicine, you will be, can you be asked already to operate? This lies, the human body, no. See, that's why at times, uh, the secular world look down the preachers because they're not wise. They're not wise. Why did the Catholics look up to a Catholic priest? Let me tell you this. They had four years bachelor undergraduate studies and they're required to take another four years of theology to become a typical priest. We Baptists, historically, we're notorious. We just take one year of Bible school, one year, already will boast I know everything. I can be a pastor. One of the men here, Pastor Eric, is having trouble with that kind of a person. I say, you start correcting him because he will bring you trouble in the church. See? So, little knowledge, puff it up. So, I'm not saying that you must be scholar, you must finish with a certain degree before you can be a pastor. No. I became a pastor while I was taking and finishing my bachelor's degree. So I was a pastor in 93, I finished my bachelor in 96. I proceeded to take an MBS while pastoring. I never, I never took a leave. That's why Cornerstone Baptist Church owes me now if, if I am entitled, if there's entitlement thing, of one month leave every year of service. I am now turning 31 years, so therefore uh, they owe me now around 31 months of paid leaves. <laughs> One of our former members who have gone to Australia said, Hey, pastor in Australia, it is common thing. Pastors are given one year full paid leave every seven years of service. Wow. So when you are troubled and stressed, you wish you would be elsewhere. But, so they invited me and said, when I was writing my dissertation for demon, they invited me, come over, we'll take care of you, I will help you in the books that you will need, and you're free to stay in our house. I said, thank you for the offer, but I cannot leave my church. I cannot leave. Neither can I leave my family. So I stayed, I still finish. I still finish those required papers to be written without leaving the pastorate. And I'll share to you why, how I was able to do that. Anyway, first, you must be skillful. Skillful in what? What is the focus of our preachers? Skillful in the work of study. You have nothing to speak of if you are not skillful in your study. Mapap, let me speak in Filipino. 
Mapapaya tayo preachers when you face doctors, lawyers. You're just a general practitioner if you finish medicine. Remember the church has finished internal medicine and he is going into another uh, subspecialty, rheumatology. I said, when are you going to stop? Good thing he did not ask me, why did you not stop pastor studying? See, I'm still studying. We had these modules. I I, uh, I sat in the class of Dr. Strauss for Johanna and Epistle. I learned a lot. Not that for the grace. You see? We should be skillful in the word and our study in preparation of messages and in the discernment of our flock. So Solomon cited the consequences of acquiring this skill. Of making many books, there is no end. So don't worry about that. Don't fear that. But much study is awareness of the flesh. Amen? You agree, right? That's why you don't want to study. We don't want to study. One of the hardest things to invite to study are preachers, in my experience. Filipino Baptist preachers. Oh, I'm busy. I have no time to study. They forgot that study, you cannot do the work of teaching, preaching, counseling without thorough, focused study. Many preachers today go to the YouTube, got their outline, go to books, go to attend to how-to seminars and workshops instead of going into the Word, learning the skills, how to get and dig those fine goals. I was still a fundamentalist and I remind my students that sell your phone, share your laptop and buy books. So it fell into many deaf ears. Now that's a biblicist. All the more. See? So, do you still have cell phones here? Pankaskasa yellow? No. I mean, that's the, the old, the ancient models of cell phones. I remember then I would put that here. Okay, with an antenna. Uh, how much would be the worth of that now? Maybe 100 pesos, 200 pesos. So imagine the iPhone. Don't raise your hands. You have iPhones? How much an iPhone would be? And we can't afford a good Bible study, a study Bible. We can't afford to buy uh, digital tools. If you're a carpenter, you see, you use high-powered tools in your work. You're a preacher. You must have uh, good tools that will save you time that will enable you to know exactly the meaning of every word. Because that will be your work, lifelong. Don't settle for something that is mediocre. Uh, at least you just, you know, the surface. You have not gone into, not that dig into the word. So that's one. We must be wise. Second, let's go to page three. Kohelet is viewed as superiorly advantageous. That's based on the word moreover. You see the word moreover? It's from a Hebrew noun which means superior and advantageous. So think of that. A preacher has that opportunity to become excellent, advantageous, or superiorly, superiorly advantageous. Why is that? Let me explain. So what's the job of a doctor? He attends to what? Our human body, physical body, they know everything. That's why they're trained in anatomy. They're trained in pharmacology. They're trained in the interrelationship of those things. 
And they don't settle for that. They specialize on certain fields. In the same manner, preachers must be, uh, you know, they attend to the body. Preachers attend to what? To our spirit, which will last long. The spirit or the body? The spirit. The body is temporary. You see? Ours, our work, our ministry affects not only your spirit, your spiritual life, your religious life, but it has correlation with your physical being. And the answers are here in the scriptures. So, early I realized the mismatch. Imagine one year, two years, will attend to the needs of the human soul. Whereas these people would uh, waste their life attending to long years of study just to specialize on the things of the world. Isn't that embarrassing? Now you know that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived in this world. And uh, there's a passage in uh, First Kings in which Solomon how he became very wise because let's get to 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 32 to 34 this explains why Solomon was uh, a wise or very wise person 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 32 and 34 says and he Solomon spake 3000 proverbs I counted the proverbs he wrote it's less than a thousand to be exact, only 915 Proverbs. But the text here, he wrote 3,000. So God only chose the inspired out of the 3,915. So think of that. Second, his songs were 1,005. But the Lord inspired only 117 songs in the book of Psalms. So he wrote 1,005 and God chose only 117 to be inspired. Because God knows we don't need the, un the non-inspired things. But how could Solomon do this work while ruling, governing, dealing with the problems of his subjects, was able to write proverbs, was able to compose songs? And look at verse 33. He spake of trees. So he studied in uh, U.P. Los Banos, specialized in uh, forestry. Five minutes. Okay. Trees, what else? He spake also of beasts. That's both, that's uh, zoology. He of fowl and of creeping things and fishes. Fishes means ichthyology. You see the, the, the wide knowledge of Solomon? Are preachers like him today? The current preachers are like him? You see? We are preachers of the word. If there is a book we should master, is this book. That's right, sir. And if you strive to get the knowledge of other fields of human pursuit, it's for you to be equipped how to deal with men. Knowing their mindset, their behavior, you can minister to them because you know the word and you know how they think and you know the fallibility of their thoughts. So men, preachers, both young and middle-aged, we need to dig on this word. Very few men could succeed through informal study. In my case, I chose formal training. So I've been studying on a formal basis since I was a pastor. And then through, 
for almost 30 years. And I didn't have stopped. I remember my teacher told me when I finished my terminal degree, Brother Rakinton, you are one of the four, few 40 men I have trained in this level of uh, studies. You are extremely few who were faithful. But let me just remind you, you have just started. Yes, sir. I'll remember that. Use the skill you acquired to explore the Bible. There are many truths yet there that others have not seen. So since 2019, I kept on. I kept on. I thank the Lord of the pandemic. He could hardly go out, but I used those pandemic years to produce biblical research studies. So I'm sharing that now to many believers. So, you are superiorly advantageous. Number three, we should seriously take admonition because we're not infallible. The Hebrew word there is Zahar, which means be taught. So in English, we call that passive verb. When you say passive, you are the receiver of the action. The same is true in Hebrew. You receive admonition, correction, even from your wives or from your staff. Okay? So long as you who will you know, suggest and admonish, do it in a godly, biblical way. So the Lord's injunction on uh, admonition is likened to goats and nays that need to be planted in the hearer's heart. So therefore, as a preacher leader, we must be teachable with the truths of God's revelation, which Solomon harked back to earlier truth and being wise or skillful. So, as a person, a Kohelet must pursue to acquire the scale of being wise. He is to imbibe his being, the nobility of his life and work. As a preacher of God's word, which is divinely ascribed as superiorly advantageous over all earthly persons. And we must receive godly admonition. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word from Ecclesiastes 12, verses 8 to 12. Concerning the person of Kohelet, in Jesus' name. Amen.